You're listening to the Amazing Women Podcast, where we enjoy meaningful conversations with extraordinary women. These highly successful entrepreneurs will share their stories of remarkable success and occasionally some spectacular failures. Come join your host, entrepreneur and best-selling author Rob Kopman, as he shares this hour with you and these fascinating women. Rosaria Kane is my guest today. She's the owner, founder, and CEO of Noodle, an advertising agency located in Tempe, Arizona. She's also the incoming president for NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. Something interesting about Rosaria, she's been going to Italy once or twice a year for quite a while now, and she works out of Italy some of the time. In fact, she's learning Italian. That's one of her goals for this coming year. She's had her share of ups and downs over the years, and she's enjoyed her successes and learned from her failures. In spite of COVID, she's doing very well this year, and she's always fun to talk to. So tell me a little bit about, how do you pronounce your company? Is it Canoodle or Noodle? It's Noodle. noodle. Like, thank you for using your Noodle. Okay. So, but there is kind a K like at the, the beginning, gray right? matter. There <laughs> is a K. It's like knowledge. You know, using your Noodle. Oh, okay. Right. Now you that don't say knowledge. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. So that's, but we've heard canoodle and that's okay because that's kind of fun as well. I guess so. Yeah. I've heard people refer to it different ways because a lot of people know who you are or know your company anyway. And so I wanted to make sure I could, I would pronounce it right. So it's noodle. Okay. How old is it the is company? Noodle. How long has the company the been around? The company is 21 years old. Oh my. Old enough to drink. <laughs> but and not probably, old enough to know better. No, well, you probably did a lot of that when you first started, I would guess. <laughs> well, you know, or now during the COVID time. I mean, there are definitely some ups and downs with having a business during these difficult times. Absolutely. Because we're really subject to what our clients are feeling. So it's not even just us, but really we're here to solve our clients' pains and what they're looking for. And that's challenging. Sure. And you also have to, well, you're a marketing agency, right? An advertising mm -hmm. agency. So mm -hmm. you have yeah. to consider what the public wants as well, which is different during these times, correct? What we do is we take a disruption approach. So we have a little bit different of a system. It's about mm -hmm. what will make you stand out. So what we do in order to get to that, and you're right, the public does have to be wowed. But if you don't stand out, it doesn't matter. You could have everything the public needs. But if you don't stand out, they'll never your customer base will never find you because you're kind of in a sea of sameness. Everything's the same. There are a lot of businesses we've never heard of that offer tremendous products and services, but they just haven't found a way to stand out to us. So that's really where we start. We start with a disruption workshop where we really find, we actually literally do intellectual exercises with the client, with the noodle team, with people they trust. And we really dig deep to find you know, what differentiates them and how to express it so that they can achieve the notice and, and the goals that they're looking for. And then everything springs from that. So we do content, but that falls into that. We do digital, we do creative, of course, and branding, but everything follows the cues from that disruption session. I'll give you an example. Yeah, good do um, During COVID, the very first week it hit, we started working with a company called Wash Club. Actually, it's Wash Club Phoenix because it's the Phoenix version. Okay, Wash and like Wash Your Face? they're a national French club. Nope, it's Wash Club Wash Your Clothes. Wash Your Clothes, but W-A-S-H, right? Yep, that's okay. exactly right. And what it is, basically, they'll come pick up your laundry and bring it back within 24 hours, perfectly sanitized, cleaned, and folded at your doorstep. And it's actually not very much money. It's a, it's a great time saver. So our, through a disruption process, 
the positioning we've used throughout COVID, but will be in depth. I mean, it's, there's no magic to that. One less thing to worry about, but it resonates where we are now, but it could really resonate in any situation, but really looking at the backdrop of where you are is important when you launch a, launch a product. So we had to take that into consideration and they've been killing it. So let me ask you something about that, because I think if you ask the average person, well, who's your demographic? Who's going to who's going to take this company and use 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 their services and who's going to make them you know, successful? And I would think my gut reaction anyway, my knee jerk reaction is, well, probably single men because they don't do laundry at all. But you another know, part of me says that's too. not true. So you tell me who is the actual demographic that is the biggest customer? Well, that's another part of our process because before we launch, we also do A-B testing. So we start with disruption, we develop some messaging, and then we send out many Facebook or Instagram campaigns, cool. depending on what we're looking at. And we see what demographic gender comes back and who resonates to what message. And so we're able to tell before we put a serious investment of the client's money, we're able to test the messaging so it avoids the guesswork and, of course, the problem with being wrong when you don't know. Okay. When you say A-B testing, you mean comparison. It could be five different methods, right? Compare them well, all, we usually not just start two. With six or, well, we usually start with six or eight different messages okay. and we pair them against each other. And then we keep pairing them. Almost think of it like a messaging round robin. We keep pairing up until we see what resonates the best. And then we usually end up with two or three messages that resonate mm -hmm. really well. And then we dig in deep and we look at the demographics of who they are and what gender, to your point, we did find there was definitely a segment in just what you were saying, um, younger professional men, like 25, mm -hmm. um, 34, 25, 39, that did have the need to have their laundry done. But what we also found, there was even a bigger contingency of women that were working women, but were now homeschooling and were stretched to the bone. <laughs> and that actually is a bigger part of where the, the customer base is today. The, the male demographic, is that similar to the same demographic that utilizes uh, Shave Club, which was a very successful, unusual launch? Very, I don't know if it's the same because that might be a little slicker. I just heard an ad for them today. So I'm familiar with their, with their brand. Laundry's more mundane. So I mean, <laughs> and everybody, the one thing, everybody, everybody does laundry. Yeah, uh, not every man shaves, but although many of them do. Well, that's true. At these days, it's a trick question, right? Because beards are in. They're in style. In the, yeah, in I even I have one. Yeah, I've never, I'm I'm in my sixties and my first beard ever. So I'm, I'm wow, you know I'm in style. I guess a, I don't know, but you did but I well. still have to trim you it. Did well. Thank you. I have to yeah. shave it a little bit, you know. But um, that is true. Oh, one of my friends told me about Shave Club when it first came out, and he's telling me how great it was, and I didn't understand it at all, maybe just because I'm an old guy, and I go, what's the big deal? I've been shaving for 40 years, and it takes me a minute to do it, and I buy a good quality razor, and the blades last me a month, <laughs> and then I put another one in. What do you need that for? But apparently, I'm in the minority because it did really well. Well, Shave Club has a great campaign, and so it's very tongue-in-cheek and fun, and people want to be part of things that are fun. And it was insight-driven. They really wanted to sell cheap blades, but they wanted it easy for people so that they'd just send them it and they wouldn't have to worry about it. And I think it was ahead of its time. I mean, insight-driven businesses are the ones that make millions and millions of dollars. For instance, Amazon lost many millions before they made money, and now it's one of the richest companies in the world. Part of the disruption process, if you can find the insight, like Amazon's an easy one to explain. Amazon's insight is if you could have anything delivered 
within hours, wouldn't you rather do that to go, than go to a store? For most people, the answer is yeah. yes. Yep, and, absolutely. And, it's ex- and now where we are, it's absolutely necessary and yes, but that's an insight. No one really thought about that. So an insight is a basic truth that's undisputable, that, has, that hasn't been used over and over again for marketing purposes. And though, and Apple is another insight-driven company. I mean, they're out there. Wash Club is actually insight-driven. If you could have somebody do your laundry and give it to you within hours of putting it out at your door, pick up and delivery, would you do it? Well, a lot of people would. Sure. No, but isn't that actually a very old idea? It used to be back in the days of milkmen when people would deliver milk to your houses. I remember that as a little kid. There was also a diaper service that would come pick up your dirty diapers yeah. and bring back and diapers, laundry yes. service. Wasn't there a laundry service too or no? I know dry. I know there was a niche filled by dry cleaners. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's so, what I'm thinking of. But, and there were, and there's, you can still go to a dry cleaners today. They do fluff and fold. They don't mm. pick up and deliver it, at least in most cases. And very few drivers, excuse me, very few dry cleaners offer pickup and delivery today. A few do but not, not that many. They've mostly gotten into more of a discounted, you know, 99 cents or 2.99, or you, you see the different dollar amounts. It's a tough business. We have a client in that business as well with Prestige Cleaners. So we're familiar with that business, but they don't really emphasize the laundry. They're far more focused on dry cleaning. Yeah, sure. I understand that. And I, you know what, I, I bring my dress shirts to the cleaners and, um, I put them in the bag, you know, they give me and I, I mm-hmm. often put them by the door or I put them in my car and go, oh, I'll drop these off later. And sometimes mm-hmm. I, it's a week later and I go, oh, geez, I haven't uh, brought these to the cleaners yet. And yeah, I just forget. I get distracted. I'm busy. You know, I'm doing a million things and that's low on my priority list until I run out of shirts. I knew they were coming to my door every Wednesday or however they do it. That would be real easy. I would just say, oh, it's, it's Wednesday morning. I better get my bag, stick it by the door. They'll come and get it. I, I would never forget. It would make life in that little sector of my life anyway, easier. So I, I understand, I think it's a great idea. I might or even you try can it. Just order, or you can just order it through an app True. and they'll literally be there within a couple hours. So it can be very spontaneous mm. too. Like, oh, I don't wanna do my laundry today. I have too many things to do. And then you, and then it comes back the next day, all clean and, oh. and ready to go, bolded. Yeah. Well, you all have you have a, to do is put it away. A party to go to or something, uh, you know, some kind of a yeah. gala and you go, oh, gee, I, I haven't cleaned my tuxedo. It's filthy and I need it, I well, need it tomorrow night. Clean, they don't dry they don't clean, clean at all. Clean. Just laundry. No, okay. they do not. Just laundry. Well, they will. That you have to go to the cleaners. Yeah. Well, don't you think they'll incorporate dry cleaning sometime in the future? Some markets, some markets they do and some they don't. Hmm. So... It's I would have this loved, market, they're just concentrating on laundry. Got it. I would have loved to have this at my disposal when my son was going to college. Who, I mean, <laughs> he went over there and mm-hmm. he, he had dirty laundry everywhere. And he said, why don't you wash your clothes? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to bother with it. I would have liked to have just signed him up. Say, here's the app. Mm-hmm. Or somebody's going to come to your door every so often and, and give, him your, give him your dirty laundry. You'll be clean. He probably would have, would have done it because it would have been easy. Yeah. Right? I can see that as a real area. Don't bring your laundry home. Right. Just yeah, he would bring it home a lot too. Sure. Put it in the bag. Bring it home. He'd come over here with a big bag. What are you doing? Oh, I gotta do my laundry. Well, call the laundry. What's it called? (laughs) Wash what? What is it? Give me that name again. Wash Club. Wash Club. Wash Club. Okay. All right. I I have a a question about disruption. Mm -hmm. I hear that's a kind of a buzzword these days. I hear it a lot. And it's overused. And, And I'm to the point where 
I don't completely understand what it means. Can you give me a, a concise, succinct, real definition of what disruption means in the way of a business? Well, disruption isn't overused in the advertising industry in Phoenix. We're the only ones that truly do it. In fact, our, our chief creative officer is at a TBWA, one of the biggest agencies of the world, and he, he brought it with him. But basically, it's turning a business upside down and its mission to find that that element that makes it different than the rest of the market. That's why we say it disrupts the market. It's something that's different, identifiable, and marketable. And it's finding those key insights we were talking about too, like Amazon and the delivery or Wash Club and, you know, don't do your laundry, have someone else do it and get it back within hours. I mean, it's finding that key point but also the marketing aspect of it, the insight where people can make a lot of money on something because it's portrayed in a way other people haven't thought of it. Okay. So it's outside of the status quo and it's a good way idea, outside. way outside, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I've always done, it wouldn't work very well. And maybe now, but it used to be the British would say, well, this is how we've always done it. And <laughs> they don't change, right? Right. Well, it's probably well, different, but people in this case, this is you're saying you've done this. I don't care if you've done this for 30 years like this. Here's a better way. Try it. Well, Apple is another example of a great insight driven company. Apple was not the first company to come up with a MP3 player. Actually, they came up with an iPod. I remember being in that market for something because I'm, I'm a runner and they used to have members Sony Walkmans and then they had um, they had the mini disc. They were really trying to come up with something for runners, but they couldn't quite get it because the mini disc skipped and there was and the other things were heavy and there was nothing light you could just put on and listen to music while you went for a run. And then Nike had an MP3 player. There are five or six available. Apple came out with the iPod. It changed everything. Now, while it was an MP3 player, it didn't call itself an MP3 player. It talked about think different, taking your music everywhere and and people gravitated to it because it was presented in a completely different way and really spoke to people it about taking your music success, everywhere right it, it was, was. Own, right instant success so yeah so what you're saying is the mp3 player was around and the ipod doesn't really do a whole lot differently than the mp3 but it's marketed completely different and people resonated with that they they liked what they saw i i like steve jobs one of his famous quotes was People don't know what they want until I show it to them or something like that. Right? Well, Steve Jobs also came up with the personal computer. That was really that was really an Apple thing. Before that, they were big. They took whole walls. And Steve Jobs's assertion was one day everyone will have a computer in their home. And people thought that was nuts. Yeah, they did. Insane. <laughs> I mean, we're old enough to remember before computers in every home. Sure. And and, and, uh, the and smartphone industry is the iPhone also changed everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I I get it. So let's talk a little bit about you personally. You know, um, you've uh, been in this business for you said how many years again? Twenty something? Probably about thirty years. Thirty. Okay. Actually. So yeah. How did you start your business? No, maybe 40, 40. Closer to 40. Oh my, giving away your age. Mm -hmm. What What was some of your, if you remember, well, <laughs> you look great for your age, whatever that is. Thank you. Um, tell me, what was some of your big challenges and frustrations when you first started? Because I, I suspect a lot of my listeners are women who are want to start a new business or start their first business. And it's, it's kind of scary to take that leap, right? To jump into well, I, the business world. I what? never set out. I never set out to go into business for myself. I really liked corporate America. 
I mean, I thought that was, I worked at Fox 10 for 10 years and I worked for some jobs before that, but that was one I really enjoyed, but I got tired of working for uh, unethical men. Now, it's not that all men are unethical, of course. The men I work for at Fox were unethical. And no surprise, right, from all the other stuff that came out. I've seen the movie. And it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's true on the affiliate level too and the local level. I mean, there was just, and it was mostly, it wasn't like sexual misconduct. It was more like promise the client this, and then they would switch it to what they wanted to sell the client. It, and it was, it was just unethical business. And I just, I, it used to tear me up inside. And finally I thought, well, I have enough client relationships. Maybe I could, I could learn to do this better and, and differently. And I got out of uh, Fox 10 in the market. It was CBS when I started and Fox when I left. And I started with my very first client, which was Fulton Homes. And I still have that client today. So, I, and I, and other clients as well. And everything I've learned, I've learned along the way. And the team members I've, I've um, hired along the way, they've all taught me something. And uh, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. The last year has been like a startup. So my company was completely rejuvenated. We brought in a partner of national importance, a brander, the guy who branded Yo Quiero Taco Bell. He branded, I'll leave the light on for you. He's, he's branded Levi's. He's branded more than I can even count. So many great campaigns and uh, has worked with Steve Jobs, has worked with Richard Branson. And granted, I don't have his talent, but I love being, it energizes me to be around it. It, it means I can offer clients. We as a team can offer clients so many amazing things in Phoenix. Hmm. Well, how'd you get this and, guy to uh, partner up with you? Well, all right. I believe in fate and destiny and, you know, a higher power. He reached out to me two weeks after my creative director at the time gave his notice. Wow. He, that's serendipity or he, probably not. It just, well, that's the way says, it should have happened, right? He says he didn't reach out to anyone else. He liked the name and he wanted to move to Phoenix mm -hmm. and he was done with LA and ready for, he wanted ownership in something, which of course we, we offered him. And, uh, he's been with me for, almost uh, oh, just over a year about 13 months and i'm sure you love working with him he's great i mean creative people have their challenges oh absolutely but he but he's 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 not the money end of the business that's you right i am that's me and and the client service end and other things yeah somebody's got but to lock the door at a, night yes that's <laughs> Balance right the books. he's and and make sure we don't overspend because that's everybody's problem in business you have to make sure that you're bringing in more than you're you're letting out and but he's just he's a creative dynamo and uh client and we weren't a disruption company really till a year ago when he came on but we've learned so much and it's been it's been so much fun hmm. wow so you you are a a woman owned business with a major he's not an employee he's a partner right or is he he's a partner okay major partner I have the that's majority share Okay, but it's still, all right, so you're the majority share, you're running the business, mm -hmm. he's the minor partner or whatever you want to call him, he's a partner, which is kind of opposite to the traditional, which is usually some some guy owns the business and maybe has women working with them before them or his partners. And I'm seeing more and more of that women are moving up in the world, in the business world anyway. And I think it's great. Uh, and you're a really good example to show how it's done. Without you, he wouldn't have had this opportunity. But without him, you probably wouldn't be able to grow your business as quickly as you're about to. Is that accurate? It takes, it takes different talents to create a business that's going to do well. 
and I couldn't do it. I mean, I could do a regular advertising agency without him, but that was getting old for me. And so I couldn't do disruption without him. And no, he probably couldn't run a business on his own. I mean, he probably thinks he might be able to, but I think deep within himself, he knows he'd rather not. He'd rather not. He's doing what he loves to do without the things he doesn't want to do. And so it works for everybody. I mean, a win-win situation is is really what everybody aspires to. And, and he and I are on the same page on that one. So just out of curiosity, how many hours a week do you typically work? Oh, is, maybe 45, 50. Not that many. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad at all. M maybe 60 occasionally. Yeah. But when you're in business, you're working all the time. So even when you're not working, you're always thinking about it. You're, you're maybe doing some research. You're, I mean, there isn't a really, there are very few waking hours I have where I'm not thinking about the business. Sure. I get that. So I only had four hours of sleep last of night because I was working on mine. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I go, you. you know, I got to go, go to bed, Rob, you come on, you got to get up early. You have interviews tomorrow. Yeah. But I want to get this done and I'm all excited about what I was doing and, and uh, nobody else is going to do it for me. And right. so you don't, you know, I never mind. I'm sure you don't mind working on your business. Whereas if you were an employee, and you were getting a yearly salary, you might be saying, why am I still here in the office doing this? I'm not getting paid for it. You know, this is crazy, but it's your business. So ultimately, not only do you get paid for it, but you have your person, your ego involved in it, right? You're, it's satisfying to you to come up with something that works. I find Rob, a lot of people have Think about it this a, way. Yes? Think about it this way. I have 14 other people that depend on me to make the right decision so they stay employed. <laughs> and that keeps me up at night too. Okay. Well, yeah, cause, cause you're, that's because you're one of the good ones. I mean, there are people in that position who just don't care. They lay people off, whatever they don't make, they make, as long as they make money, they're okay. Whatever happens to their workers, that's just a side thing. You are a, you know, you're a nice person as well as a good businesswoman, which is great. I love to hear that, you know, cause your employees are people too, and they're important and they have families they and they have lives. And yeah. Yeah. So you belong to any um, marketing organizations? You know, there are very few in Phoenix. There's a couple. I, I, there's Ad2, there's Ad Club. Um, and no, we don't belong at the, I, actually we do belong the Ad Club, but there's not a lot going on. They do the annual advertising awards called the Addies. Um, yeah, well, the last year's was the first canceled in history. It happened in March. <laughs> we found out it was canceled while we were basically on the way there. It was literally an hour and a half before. Um, but that's where this whole that's where this whole COVID thing sprang to life. I mean, no one could have uh, predicted it. But I'm probably more involved with the National Association of Women Business Owners. I'm the incoming president next year. Um, it's a great organization with its roots nationally, but it also advocates for women business owners locally and nationally. And uh, like everyone else, we're struggling to find our footprint with Zoom you know, and, and doing innovative or as innovative as we can think of doing on uh, online options because we can't meet right now like everyone else. But hopefully it looks like we're it looks like we're making great strides with COVID. I was listening to the governor's press conference today. We're really uh, we're really in better shape. We're trending down. Our numbers are better. Our positive rate is down. I, I believe if I. He said 5%, but I hadn't heard that number before, but I thought that was what he said. 
I'll have to read the transcript, but things are definitely on the mend in Phoenix. We should that's, feel good about that. That's great. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about uh, NALVO. And that's a national organization, right? And you're going to be incoming president for the local Arizona chapter, Phoenix chapter? What yes. is the demographic? Arizona, there? or Phoenix chapter, actually. Phoenix chapter. Um, we're rebrand, well, because of my what, what I'm able to do, we're rebranding everything, oh, which is great because <laughs> it had an outdated, it had a little bit of an outdated image. And, you know, people were thinking it, you know, maybe not what they wanted, but we're updating it where we did a disruption session for that. Um, the brand handle, which is, of course, the positioning statement is the face of women business owners. And so we're really trying to rebrand as, you know, badass business women. I mean, something fun and provocative. Yeah, I like and that. Interesting. I might have to steal some of those from my, my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my, my website or my marketing supply of people oh absolutely yeah yeah in fact you you uh we talked a few weeks ago and you introduced mm -hmm. me to the current president of nabo and i talked yes, to her for Jean a few Breeze. minutes she's pretty interesting and, and she um, is inspirational speaker very yes and we have a podcast scheduled for some time in the very near future good I'm looking forward to that as well so how, how old is nabo now do you know how long it's been around in any iteration no it's but it was one of the first in the country okay so it's been so a, been i apologize a while. i don't know how long well, it's been around that's not but your it's job been around to know a really long well yeah it is i actually <laughs> should know but it's nah. it's really it's really been around a long time it's very well established so we're okay. you know we're, well, we're a good group here's something you probably should know how many approximately how many members are there in the phoenix chapter 115. There is oh, 115. That's members. a nice size organization. And out of those 115, how does it? How is it uh, split up? In other words, how many of uh, these businesses are considered large businesses, and how many of them are small businesses, and how many of them are just uh, people who have their own little gig, whether whether it's an uh, you know some kind of a side hustle or a, an eBay thing or um, you know an Amazon something or other? Because I'm sure there's some of those. Uh, what's the split like? Well, right now, there are a lot of one-person businesses in the organization, call them solopreneurs, and they're very important. But we're really, one of the initiatives we're working on this year, and I'll be working on next year, is really creating more diversity in terms of size of business and types of business. There are a lot of very powerful women business owners in Phoenix that we'll be introducing to NABO that we want to bring in, like, Sissy Robert Shank of Chaz Roberts, air conditioning, great example, literally employs over 400 people in a very non-traditional field. I mean, that would be, it would be, it would very, it be inspirational for other members to have her be part of our chapter, our novel chapter, people like that. So we're definitely reaching out and trying to, uh, trying to do that. I mean, we still have members like Ginger Clayton, who who owns and runs Alantec, a national commercial furniture and logistics company. I mean, we do, so we do have our share, but by and large, it's a lot of small businesses, but we're, we're looking for, we still want the small businesses, but we also want some medium and large businesses as well. I can see that. And, and Phoenix, you know, doesn't really have that many large businesses to begin with. Not like some That's other parts true. of the country. There's not a lot of industry here. There's not a lot of business. Mm -hmm. In fact, I believe the, Phoenix metropolitan area, the biggest business is tourism. So it is right, and right. construction and construction, especially right. right now. The one sector doing great right now is uh, construction home building. We have such a shortage of homes right now in the resale market that it's moving people into new homes. 
home builders have this struggle right now that they can't build enough homes fast enough. They just can't do it. Nice problem. I mean, demand. Well, you think so, but I mean, it's, it's causing my client a lot of grief. Oh, okay. I mean, they, you know, they want to protect their brand of, of uh, legendary Fulton quality. And they, 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 they're very protective of their very good image and the good things they do in the community. You know, people tend to be bothered when it takes a while longer to build a home because the demand is surge. Workers are harder to find. Tradespeople are increasing the price of uh, what, what they're selling, some lumber, cement, you name it. It's a problem for home builders, but it is a better problem than not having homes to to build, but it's still a tough challenge. I was talking to a, a realtor the other day and she was telling me that uh, Phoenix has a, <laughs> I would consider it an unusual problem. And that is there are lots of people because the market's so hot I and mean, you can sell your house on the weekend here right now. I mean, I talk, mm-hmm. you could have an mm-hmm. open house and have 50 people coming a through day. And get a day yep. and have nine offers right yep. away and they're bid against each other. It's amazing. But yep. there's a lot of people here who would like to sell their homes and move to some another house, maybe a bigger house. And they're afraid to put their house on the market because they have no place to go to because there's nothing available for them to buy. And that's a really unusual yeah. problem, isn't it? It is. But you know what you're really seeing too? I don't know if you caught this news story. Scottsdale is the number one city in the country people are moving to since April. So April through June. So it was a, a study done April through the end of June. And Scottsdale was the number one city. Now, Florida was the number one state. But you're seeing tremendous movement from places that were shut down and hard hit with the COVID crisis at people in people in New York, people in Chicago, people in Washington and Oregon and California, and they're moving here. And so not only are you seeing people like you just pointed out, looking for a bigger house or something different, you're seeing people, you're seeing a huge onslaught of people from out of state buying houses unseen. It's, it's that, it's that because they don't want to, they don't want to not have a place when they get here. Sure. So why are they moving here? Are opportunities better? There are more jobs here yep. or do they just yep. figure, it's not that they figure, well, I'm going to be broke. I might as well be broke where it's sunny. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, let's look at the facts. We're a pro-business state. Yes. Our tax, our taxes are low. Yes. Comparatively speaking, uh, you could start a business here or bring a business in. The, the environment is very friendly. Uh, from, it's a it's a um, a right to work state. The the corporate the corporate laws the, are so much easier here than say California. And we are getting a lot of people move their companies from California. There's no crime. You know what's going on in New York right now? Oh yeah, and Chicago terrible. and Seattle and Portland. Well, Portland's okay. a little out, bit of an outlier, but it's, still, well, it's a little little strange. It's, bad. it's strange and it's bad. It's It'll bad. change, but you're right. Right now, it's not a great place to live. Portland was the most harmless city in the country three years ago. I love Portland. Yeah, I know Portland's ago. beautiful yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. It's I know. crazy. But I mean, Chicago, New York, New York is really having a time with the defunding of police and all of that. I mean, it just, the, the atmosphere has changed. It's become tough. A lot of people, so people are moving here for, to escape crime, bad situations. They're moving here for better taxes, a better place for business. I don't think the weather, I think the weather might be on the top 10, but I don't think it's the top five. So it's, uh, and it used to be. Yeah, it used to be number one by far. And you're seeing businesses move here. Which is great. Which which means more jobs. And and more traffic, which I'm not happy about, but okay. (laughs) More jobs are important, right? Well, 
growth. I mean, growth, growth is has painful. Yeah, downside. Yeah. yeah, it does. So that's why. So that is also creating a problem with not enough places to live in. The I see. So it's yeah. a perfect storm on that end. So let's get back to novel for just another minute. Because I know okay. people might be curious about that. I know I am. Uh, if somebody wanted to join Nabo, how do you do that? And what do they get out of it? You know, to join just besides just being part of this organization, there must be something that they give back to the people who belong to it. There's a lot that they get out of it. For instance, when you're in business, you don't have a lot of time for things like friends. I mean, you have, well, I don't have, I didn't have any friends. All the friends I have right now are from Nabo. Oh, okay. Because, because you have common issues. There are things in common that you have. When I need someone, I know someone in almost every field from Nabo. It's a real, uh, there's a real camaraderie and a real sense of wanting to do things for each other and really good people in Nabo. So it, you get automa automatically when you join, you get plugged into a network of women professionals who want to help each other. You also get education. We have several educational programs. We have a mentoring program. I'm in that actually. Um, Ronit Ehrman of Ehrman um, Real Estate, Commercial Real Estate co-chairs it with me. So and what, you get level, one -on -one. what level of business owners do you mentor? Or is it anybody? And Well, any level, but it's really meant for people who've been in business less than three or five years who, are, who really want to learn how to how to get the most out of their financials, or in some cases, how to do financials, period. What they mean and how to make sense of them, how to market their businesses or, or, or customer acquisition. How do they how do they get customers in their door? I mean, and how do they communicate? What kind of communications do they need to do to provide? And even things like HR and all sorts of things. So it's a it's like getting your master's in business without the degree. But we have we have guest speakers we bring in. We have monthly mastermind groups that we chair. I mean we we have a it's a it's a eight month program. Oh, so it's an so actual program. It's it's got some. It's a program. To it. Got it. Okay. It, it's a curriculum. So it's a we enjoy that. And also Nabo has a, a like for instance Jean, what her role has been since the COVID crisis, she's done amazing. Is processing information for all the loans that are available in in and grants for women business owners. Yeah, it's very confusing. Making sure yeah it is making sure everyone has the information and really sending it out there. So, you know, we're very education minded and we also fight for the rights of women business owners in Congress and in our state legislatures. So we're, you know, and then the best part about NABO and where you really get involved is you find a, com a committee you really want to work on. And there's all sorts of great committees, like you can work on programming where you help bring in the right speakers, or you could work on mentoring where you like, if you like to teach like me, it's really a great, it's a great committee where you can you can you can work on uh, so many things we have nabo university which we're going to rename and rebrand of course but you basically are. that that i can't help myself i'm a serial <laughs> i am a serial <laughs> marketer i can't help it. I love um, it but we bring in speakers from the outside or from the sponsors that we that we meet and and bigger businesses we talk to and bring them in for educational experiences so it's it's educational it's advocacy and it's it's friendship and mentor. Sounds like a wonderful organization and, and really good for somebody starting out who doesn't know what to do. And being a, an entrepreneur or solopreneur can be fairly lonely because you do get mm -hmm. cut off from your social circle very often and you don't have time for them anyway. And you wind up being by yourself. And uh, it's great to have this network of people to 
to talk to and especially for women women tend to be very social and mm -hmm. this allows them a nice safe place to to get what they need and get their help that they want and they get people like you tutoring them i mean how it doesn't get any better than that right so that's wonderful ah thanks rob <laughs> i love teaching in fact we have we have a great time it's not all it's not all work we, we share a lot. I learn as much from them as, as they learn from me. Are there any so. men in this organization? You know, I just asked that question a couple weeks ago because I, I was thinking about you. Oh, I was oh, thinking nice. about you. And I have to research it more. But my, my first response was no, the organization is exclusively for women and they can't be a member. But for some reason, I'm not sure about that. Well, can and I be a disruptor and join? Further. <laughs> yes. I'll take I'll a page out of your you. notebook. You know, I'm into disruption. I I'm sometimes one of the girls, you know. So Well, here's my opinion on that. I don't think I don't I don't think you have to be a woman to advocate for women and to be for women's rights and to be right there with the cause. I don't think you have to be white to support diversity among any nationality, religion, or race. I think you could just be a good person and join because your heart's in the right place and you want the same things that other Navos want, other Navo members want. So I don't, that's my personal opinion. I have to look further into it to see, but I, I think there might be a way. <laughs> well, if there's a way you'll find it. If there isn't one, you'll make one. I would. I'll find it, yeah. <laughs> Or wait till I'm president next year. I'll find. I'll find a way. <laughs> well, I'm not a patient person, but I'll try. You know. So when when actually well, do you take office? I'll take office in the Desert Diamond Awards. I believe is in June, and that's when that's when I'll take that. And then really, it doesn't start till August. Is the way that works. So well, it's about a year. It'll from be now. announced in June, and yeah. That's unusual yeah. for an organization to have such a a long period of the new guard coming and the president-elect it's so nice because i get a year to to you know get to know jean breeze the current president and what she's doing this creates a situation where there's a nice handoff and then the the outgoing president also is there for a year helping as well so there's there's really it's three years you're incoming and then you're president and then you're outgoing but you're part of the process the entire time but it allows for you know a smooth handoff and transition but it also allows for some continuity from when one person leaves and someone else comes in so, so it's it's good all the way around it's a nice it's a nice system well thought out with lots of experience behind it right hmm. okay but right. once one you know you're welcome to come now you still can come to a program and we do them the second wednesday of every month so what we're doing in september we're doing a special program it's going to be called and actually noodle is sponsoring it because we wanted to start a sponsorship program with these and so because we didn't have anyone in the hopper i thought well let let me sponsor it and we'll show people what it could look like and mm -hmm. kind of give people an idea and it's um it's going to be the the national association women business owners mingle with the millionaires and so we're going to have 12 women who have businesses that have over a million dollars in revenue i'm one of them because we couldn't find the 12th person <laughs> and so they and my business does does over a million in revenue which let me just say i'm not a millionaire and that does not mean a million dollars in profit revenue no it's and revenue. profit are completely different yeah you know so i used to own a cabinet shop and, and i'd have a hundred thousand dollars a month coming through there and i'd walk away with yeah two thousand dollars in spending right. money you know right. <laughs> it doesn't really right. matter it's, you have to control your expense i totally understand i i feel that but anyway it's a great event but second wednesday 
of every month, we do a program. So like last month in August, actually it was last week, we did a, a series on diversity and we had some diversity experts come in. We also, hmm. in these programs, because they're on Zoom for now, we break everybody up in small groups in the individual rooms. And so you do actually get to meet, there's four or five people in a group. So you actually do get some some good person to person time like you would when you're at the event. It's maybe not exactly the same, but it's what we can do right now. So sure. that's and, what we're doing. You know, in some ways it's better because you can have a conversation and hear what the other person's mm -hmm. saying. I've gone to meetings with high powered people and you break out and talk to people you want. And sometimes because of the volume of the speaking voices in the room, it's hard to even hear them and have a conversation. That's one of the few benefits of Zoom. It's, it's mm -hmm. very clear, it's very easy. So even though a million dollar or plus organization has that as revenue and not profit, let's not uh, negate the talent necessary even to bring in a million dollars, whether it's profit or not, right? That's, that's an accomplishment. That's not so easy. It is. And the, the thing is, we're drawing women from all over the country. So with Zoom, so there are advantages and disadvantages. We're using a lot of NABO um, members from around the country bringing them in for this. So it's nice because we have we have our, our million dollar producers from uh, everywhere, including the East Coast. So it it's nice. It'll be a good group. Sounds we're like a good place for me to find uh, guests from my podcast. It, you know what? Yes. In fact, I think it would be, I'll send you, I'll send you the invitation and make sure that, that you are, it would be a great place. I yeah, think I'll, you I'll, would I'll definitely show up. Do great on this. Yeah. I think you should. Cause then you'll, because you're not confi confined to just Arizona either. Oh no, I can go anywhere in the world really. So you'll, when I send you the invitation, I'll make sure you, I include a list of the women. I think it's in the invitation that are going to be involved and that'll give you kind of cliff notes on who, where you might want to start. So I think that would be really Thanks. good for you. Yeah, I think so too. Sure. Right? I'd, I'd appreciate that. So before we run out of time here, tell me about, you can, I'll let you pick either a really awful, but educational failure you've had in business over the years or a really wonderful moment where you've done something great or landed a big client or something like that something significant either direction or maybe one of each the worst mistake i ever made no one ever wants to talk about the worst mistake they ever made and i want to be disruptive so i'll talk about that well that's why i ask i started an office in san diego gosh it was maybe 2008 i lost my <laughs> it's a bad year I to start a business. <laughs> well, first of all, I'll give you the worst possible reasons. I really liked San Diego. I had a condo there at the time that I was renting. And I just, I liked the, the sectors because you had a lot of education there. You had military. I mean, you had some really interesting, a lot of schools and education. You had some great sectors and, and that, and, and not a big ad agency seen there. So I thought, well, this would be good. And I did my homework and it looked, it looked promising. And uh, I will tell you, sometimes you have to either get outside help to take a hard look at something you don't know about. We merged with an with a one person agency there to make that happen, and it was a it was not a good move. And it, I did it during the recession because I thought it would help. You know, why not be bold during this time? And I was bold. Oh, I I bet I lost two hundred and fifty thousand. Ooh, that's painful. Yeah. Well, yes, it is. I was. That lesson taught me to go slowly on something like that. I was maybe a bit too spontaneous. I think I was a bit too 
San Diego would be really cool. I'd like to, I'd like to live there more. That would be really <laughs> great. And it would be actually. I'd like to move to um, start a business in Rome, but I don't speak Italian. So it wouldn't be a good idea. Right? Oh, I speak Italian. <laughs> I can help you with that. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I do. But, but, but it's a, uh, gosh, and that was just a bad, it, it was a painful two years to, I mean, I stuck it out and uh, until I think, again, divine intervention. I really do believe in this stuff. God said, Rosaria, you've had enough. I'm making it so you can stop losing money. My, my, I had three or four people that I employed, and they sent their keys to me by Federal Express, Express and took the client. Now, if I had been smarter, I would have known that non-competes, which they all signed, right. don't apply to California. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Well, if I had hired an attorney to look at it, instead of following the one I had for Arizona, because an attorney did look at that for Arizona, I would have known that, but I did, I was not thorough enough. And that is uh, what can absolutely happen. They're indefensible in California so and carry absolutely me, no weight. Let me interrupt before I forget, because I always like to provide people listening a couple of really good nuggets of information that they walk away from and go, wow, that was, that was cool. That was a great podcast. I really enjoyed it. But that one thing she said stuck with me. I really learned an important lesson from that. And it seems to me what you just told me certainly qualifies for that. I mean, do your research, right? Hire a lawyer if there's legal things involved. Don't yes. just go with your gut and jump in. It's okay to jump in and not be afraid, but make sure you have guidance and you check out what's in that pool before you jump into it, right? Totally agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. So uh, go ahead, continue. Well, at least I survived it <laughs> and, okay. learned, and learned a very valuable lesson. That's just the way it goes sometimes. So I believe in taking risks, but I think do your homework. It's it's really important. Yeah. So tell me. So. Well, let's let's push the uh, push the envelope. I'll push my luck a little bit here. Tell tell me another spectacular failure you had. I'm sure you've had a few because every entrepreneur I talk to, they say I've learned more from my failures than my successes, and I failed lots of times. Oh, that, Even the billionaires have had lots of failures. So what was another? That was so spectacular. I can't even think of one that that. <laughs> rivals that I can't. Okay. All right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. One. Okay. So during the recession, cause the recession lasted 10 years before I started the, before the recession started, I had a lot of money in the bank. I did. And part mm -hmm. of it is due to the help of my husband who kind of oversaw the financial side. Cause that's stuff I don't really excel at, but he's okay. very good at it. And, and we did, we put a lot of money away, which is why I was able to withstand the mistake that I made. The problem when you have a lot of money in the bank and things aren't going well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't do what every other agency in town did. I didn't lay anyone off. Hardly. I mean, hardly. Only when people weren't performing, did I lay them off. And well, you would really lay them off anyway. A, right. I kept my expenses too high and I did make it through the recession. But by the end of the recession, not only did I lose all of my savings, I had incurred some money on the credit line. Luckily, I had the credit line, could be worse. And I did since pay it off. But sometimes having money in the bank can be a crutch. You need to guard that money as closely as if you didn't have any money at all. Oh, that's so certainly another like using, great nugget of information here. Yeah, it's people like using make that a credit mistake line. all the time. Sure, great. It's like using a credit line. Sounds great, right? You still owe that money. Yeah, you you do, you back. owe that money and you have to pay it back. And then you don't have as many options. Like for instance, I couldn't have closed the business. There were times I thought, gosh, I wish I could just close it and do something else, which I'm glad I didn't do. Mm -hmm because I had persevered, it went fine. But when you owe money, you no longer can close the business. <laughs> 
You can't. You can't. So what you happens if you try to close? Back. What happens if you close the business? You still well, they can call your money, loan. Right? So so right. So so let's just say a person has a modest a modest credit line is maybe fifty or a hundred thousand dollars. I had more than that, but let's just use that as a for instance. And you had a personal guarantee. If you owe fifty thousand dollars, yeah, always everything's guaranteed. So. The bank's not going to look the other way and say, okay, well, you tried. Nope, not going to happen. You have to pay that money back or they're going to get your house or whatever it is that you have. They're going to come and get it. And they should because it was their money and you guaranteed it. And that's the way the world works. So you want to be careful when you use a credit line or savings or anything. That money is real. You want to, I mean, I've heard, not to bring up another name, but I think Dave Ramsey is so right on when he talks about money and debt. I do. Debt is to be regarded very carefully. You 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 don't want to use it to take chances unless you're you're taking a really good risk with a lot of and this goes back to what we were talking about before with a lot of um, research and a, and a, it more than more than a hunch. Yeah, well, so, our government I guess sets a poor example and that's what people follow. <laughs> whether it's conscious or not conscious. Uh, so people go, oh, yeah, and I could always file bankruptcy. But that's not so easy and it's not so good. And so that's not a good idea to have debt. And I agree with you. Dave Ramsey, for getting out of debt is wonderful. I don't agree with his investing strategy. He thinks you can get 12% with mutual funds, which you can't. But all of his debt counseling, oh, yeah, the guy is brilliant and has lots of good experience. And he's absolutely right. And you shouldn't get into debt in the first place unless you have to, or like you say, it was really worth it because the risk reward ratio was so great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's another good nugget of information. Watch out. Yeah. Watch your credit Painful line. Painful lessons. Painful lessons. Yeah. Don't use Pain it unless you have Pain to. And if you right. have to use it, make sure, you know, you got the odds in your favor at least. Right. 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 Don't think mm -hmm. you'll be able to just walk away because you can't. You want to do your homework. You want to make the case. You want to look at it objectively. And you want to find other people like a president who've done it the way you're doing it before. Unless you're a real trailblazer and that can have benefits too. But you really need to you need wade, wade carefully into those waters. Hmm. So what about uh, personally? Um, if you don't want to talk about it, that's okay. But I'm going to ask anyhow. Uh, are you still okay. married to this guy? That you're talking about your uh, husband? I am married. I have been married. Yes, I have been married. Gosh, 15, 15 years. God, I have to think about it. He's my second and final husband. <laughs> and uh, my first was was an 18 year, not a mistake. It was an 18 year relationship, but it wasn't right. He had a thing for wanting to stay home and not work and have me work. And that didn't, that, that didn't, that didn't, but you know what, that turned to be, that turned out to be the thing that drove me on everything. Because I think there was a time really before that, I wasn't that part of a worker. I really wasn't. And I learned through being with this person that you can't get anywhere without hard work. And the fact that he didn't work meant I had to work really, really hard to make a living for us because he was a he was a struggling teaching tennis pro. And uh, and then he'd quit and then he'd get another degree and then he'd I, quit. And <laughs> you <laughs> it had, just didn't work yeah, out well. You didn't have the crutch to rely on, right? You didn't have a credit line. You didn't have a personal credit line. You had to go out make it for yourself. Right. For both of you, actually. Right. And right. so the second guy, you really appreciate him. privilege. Yeah, yeah well, that's he's often my, the case because yeah, they don't know what it's opposite. like. Yeah. My, yeah. My, my husband is a workaholic. So I might have overshot the runway just a little bit, but I, I don't mind, actually. I'm, I'm I was going to ask. 
ask you, how do you balance your work life, you know, relationship? How do you, sometimes you have to work 80 hours a week. How do you no, do? I but have no work. You have no life. And balance. if he's the workaholic no. too, you guys got it made, yeah. right? It's easy. Hey, I'll see you next Saturday. This way. <laughs> we go on vacation, right? We go to, we, yeah. up until recently, we were going to Italy two, three times a year. And what we do, we set aside in Italy between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. every evening because that's between 8 and 10 a.m. here. And we work for two hours every day. Return all our calls, all our emails, check in with the office, make sure we're they're making the right decisions, checking in with everything. Any client needs that come up, I can call at that time, anything. And we both work. We never took a vacation where we didn't work. We've, we've never taken a vacation. Well, being we work. an entrepreneur myself, I, I understand that because I'm I'm like that too with my various businesses. And but you know, a lot of people would think, well, you're going on vacation, leave your phone at home, don't take your laptop. Right. Go on vacation. I hear that. You need that. But when you own a business that relies on you like this, it actually if you do that and set aside, if you're disciplined enough to set aside a couple of hours a day and take care of it, that allows you to have the whole rest of the day off and not be worrying about business and not be thinking about it every minute. Because if you left your laptop at home, you'd always be worrying about it. And so I actually think that's a great idea. Europe is also a great idea because there's a nine hour time difference. And so all day long, no one's going to call you. Uh, that's true. It's yeah. the middle of the you night. You can't call them. And then after dinner, you've had a little bit of wine. You're not going to care. So it, it, it's the best vacations are from Europe because people won't call you all the time. <laughs> So it just works. It works out great. You know, I never thought of that. It's, but you're right. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah, that's great. Um, I guess I'm going to have to go back to Italy after all. I thought you I was should. done, but I'm going to go back now. I can do my podcast from there too, but I would have to probably do it between those hours or, you know, do it in the middle of the night. But uh, that's never stopped me before. Uh, A yeah. small price to pay. Very, very small price to pay. I, I could be planning my next podcast guest interview while I'm eating gelato. <laughs> Right. Like, wow, life is right. good. Right, see? Yeah. You could be on the Spanish Steps mapping out yeah. your outline. I could, although Spanish Steps is like going to Times Square in New York. That's where the tourists are. I'm not going there. You but know I understand the, the, the locals, metaphor. The locals go there too. Do they really? And and Yeah, they do. It's, it's called the world's living room for a reason. Okay. And uh, even though you're right, the locals go there just as much. You hear a lot of Italian being spoken, and I think it's a good place to hang out. It's a good, it, and it's it's not unlike Times Square where everything happens there. It's just a clog of people. I'm seeing a lot of pictures now. I have a lot of Italian friends on Facebook. It's empty now. Oh sure, because there are no there are no tourists. So I want to go as soon as it opens. So uh, we're about running out of time here. Uh, can you leave us with a few? I don't know, just some information about about noodle what you do what kind of clients you're looking for uh i imagine you're rather choosy and you're looking for high-end clients you're not going to just take any well, anybody right or am i wrong well we're probably looking with clients that probably have over 10 or 15 employees that that have more than two million in revenue but it's not necessarily high-end clients we just picked up a manufacturing company today that manufactures in several different um, sectors woman woman owned very nice but I mean, it can be all sorts of things. It's not necessarily, uh, we're looking for somebody that has a brand, that wants a brand that we can improve and, and make sale. That's what, that's what we want. We, we really like, we're, we're really brand focused and we get such great pride and excitement out of building a brand. We live for it. So we have taken clients for not great amounts of money 
because we just so badly wanted to work on their brand? The answer is it depends. If it's it's something that, wow, we'd really like to work on that packaging, we'll take it. So we have clients in every every price range. That satisfies so. their, your creative needs. Well, that's it you. Does. A lot of that's, I could hear you in that. I mean, that's your personality, right? You're not only a businesswoman and watch the bottom line, but you have room in there for being a good guy and, and for doing fun things and helping people. And you're not going to do it for a, a loss of money, but you don't have to make a fortune right. on everybody. And so right. that's, you know, that's rewarding, right? And so, we do some pro bono stuff too. I yeah, mean, so we, okay. we really do try to give back. I think it's important. It's our pleasure to do that. Great. All right. So in leaving, give us uh, information on how anybody can get a hold of anybody and get some more information about NABO and how do they find you? What's the best way to contact you? Noodle.com. So it's with a K. K, noodle with a K dot com. And uh, feel free to contact me at the office. Go ahead and reference the podcast so I know where it comes from. And I will take the call. And and the number 602-530-9900. Or just look at the website. The number's there as well. And uh, even if you just have a question or want advice, we, we do give free advice by phone. It would be my pleasure to help your people. Oh, nice. And if they want to find uh, information about NABO, is that NAWBO.com? Or what is their, what is their address? It's NABO.org. .org, 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 slash Phoenix. Just like that. Slash Phoenix. Yes. That's right. It's a Phoenix yes. organization. If you just, okay. if you can't remember it and you just Google it. Yeah. And if you forget what she said about any of those things, you're welcome to send me an email or a text and I'll be happy to hook you up. Um, I keep a record of all that. In fact, it should be in our podcast notes. You can just look there. Well, this has been great, Rosario. I thank you for your time and your wonderful personality. It's been fun. Well, thank you, Rob. And if I can do anything it's for you, I will. And you'll see me on Zoom anyway, at that uh, next event, because I want to be a, a spy and, and try to find some women for my uh, my podcast, some really successful, interesting I women. will I will introduce you to anyone you want, and I will send you the invitation. Fabulous. Okay. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay. okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on the Amazing Women Podcast. Subscribe now and get the latest episodes sent to your device every week. Go to our website, theamazingwomenpodcast.com, to hear bonus episodes, download free business tools, and join our family of amazing women. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.